Live to see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I am doing great. Excited about our show tonight. We have a, we have a great guest on. We we have a big, big show tonight. I'm still kind of basking in the glow of uh, Wednesday's show when we announced uh, that the book's coming out. And uh, there's still time to vote, folks. By the way, we didn't mention it on the show, but if you look at the uh, slideshow that accompanies it on Blog Talk Radio, we're showing three possible cover designs. So pick your favorite and let us know. There's a there's a clear front runner for the book cover, but... Uh, but uh, you, you, st- you still have time to uh, to chime in. So yeah, that was a big show. And then tonight we got a huge show because we got uh, one of our one of our best friends is back. Brian Wong is with us. He is a business oriented futurist and writer of over twenty thousand articles on nextbigfuture.com, where he has provided in depth coverage and analysis of emerging and disruptive technology and trends. Brian has provided annual reviews of developments in nanotechnology to Singularity University. He's worked with the Institute for the Future to help advise the city of Hong Kong on their future development, and he's given a TEDx lecture on energy. He's also advised and lectured at large corporations on artificial intelligence and automation and robotics. Plus, he is a contributor, speaking of our book, uh, to the book, The uh, Visions for a World Transformed, and uh, now tonight, Brian is here to talk with us about a bold new concept, something called basic power, which could accelerate the reduction of global poverty. Brian Wong, welcome to the World Transformed. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you back. It's been too long since we've, since we've spoken. Um, now, since I mentioned the book, we just got to mention, you've got a great chapter in the book on how we can use the Army to... Uh, was it to take on poverty? I think it was, right? That was also addressing poverty. I, I was um, just had the idea that uh, if we have a war on poverty, that we should get a lot more people involved. Not necessarily the army, but you know, an army of of people to, to get toward it. And now here's a new idea. So, so mm-hmm. obviously, uh, t- taking on poverty is a is a big issue for you. This is uh, this is yeah. an idea that keeps you up at night, and uh, that's when the ideas get brewing. So, let's start with the very basics. What is basic power? Tell us about it. So basic power is, is um, my, um, a variation of, around basic income. That, um, there's a lot of concern that in the future, AI and automation would put the vast majority of, of make obsolete the vast majority of jobs and put a lot of people out of work. And so then the idea was that the only way to address this might be to have a basic income, basically money they give to people with no strings attached um, as, a, as a means to provide security for, for people if they don't have a job. My idea is that um, if we can provide basic power, not to the developed world initially, but to the developing world, that this could um, help eradicate poverty. And the reason this is that there's a... Um, there's charts that show a strong correlation between the amount of electricity you have and 
your per capita income level. And basically, in the, in the U.S., we have about 10,000 kilowatt hours per person, and we have income of about $50,000, $60,000 per person, just on the GDP per capita. If you go down to uh, 1,000 kilowatt hours, so 10% of the U.S., <clears throat> then you're at about $5,000 uh, GDP, so about 10 times less. And if you go down to uh, um, 100 uh, kilowatt hours per year, then you're at about $1,000 um, per person. And the 1,000, 5,000, 5,000 is kind of considered a, a global middle class, and mm-hmm. 1,000 is your not well off, but you are out of extreme poverty. Extreme poverty being about um, a buck seventy-five per day, or about um, five hundred dollars per year. So you're you'd be double that at the at that um, one hundred kilowatt hour per year level. And one hundred kilowatt hours, you can do that with about um, seventy-five to a hundred watts of of solar power. That's uh, the amount of energy you need to basically get people out of, if they had that, and if they could translate their electricity and power into an, an annual, some kind of annual salary, then that would be the rough equivalent of that. There's not a, a pure correlation to that in that um, once you have electricity, and people can think of this where if you go camping out in the woods, you're roughing it when you don't have electricity. Right. That basically you're burning um, logs and wood or, or you get kerosene, kerosene for a lamp. Yeah. Right. And people in the poor country, they're spending $2 a day, uh, a week on kerosene because they need to have light to uh, – and you're thinking about like you're out camping. I, I need to have – Something I have electricity. I have to have something to, for for lighting the darkness, and for um, cooking and, and those kind of things. And, and kerosene or wood, and basically biomass, they, biomass, um, which is just fancy things for like wood or dung, is stuff that they burn. And right. so, all kinds of problems with with burning that stuff. One is it's more expensive than solar is now. Two, it uh, causes indoor air pollution or other kind of pollution because you're breathing in the smoke, so that makes their health worse. Um, so this would address tons of those issues. And once you have electricity, even at a low level, you can have LED lights, you can power a small laptop or tablet or, or smartphone. Smartphones are down to 20 bucks or less when they're, you know, a basic smartphone, you know, produced out in China or India or something like that. So even someone who's extremely poor could then have a, uh, a smartphone with big computing power, and basically they're leapfrogging into the developed age. And it, all it takes is just a little bit of power, that 1% of what the people in the U.S. have. Well, let me... You know, let when me, I was just, reading... Uh, oh, go ahead, Stephen. Uh, Brian, yeah. When I was reading what, you know, uh, your idea... I, I got to think to myself, what does it mean for society, uh, you know, to, to have power? And, and I got to think about the subject of genocide, uh, you know, the, the mass killing of uh, large populations of people. And, I, you know, uh, it's, it, my thought is this, that probably we only have one or two examples of, uh, of 
of genocide in uh, developed areas of the world where people had access to of ways of getting word out to, to others, right? I mean, it's the forgotten people that right. are subject to being destroyed, right? I mean, uh, right. Yeah, other, than, other than Jews in Nazi Germany, um, you know, pretty much if it's large populations of people being killed, it's very, very poor people that are, uh, are forgotten by the rest of the world. They can't get their message out. And mm-hmm. in part because they don't, they don't, they don't have access to communication devices. Uh, right. Is, is that part? Is that part of uh, the picture that could be improved upon with by uh, so, bringing electricity? Yes. So I um, look at um, you know my goal be of the future. I look at um, uh, you know death per terawatt hours for energy, and I also look at mm-hmm. poverty. And even though you know. Pollution and those kind of things can kill uh, several million people per year, which is a ter- terrible, terrible yeah. thing from the coal and, and oil and other things that aren't burned properly, to the thing is extreme poverty kills more people because 10 to 15 million people per year die from the diseases of poverty, basically unclean water, no sanitation, mm-hmm. those kind of things. And those are basically... Um, more than the, the number of deaths per year during World War II, right? So that's why I think of it as, you know, a war on poverty is um, something that I think is a, an, an apt correlation because the n- number of deaths from it because of poor health, uh, you know, various things all kind of interlinked to the fact that they don't have the the basics of the modern age. Like based on the modern age, you, you get rid of all those excess deaths. And so that's one of the things that I, would, I think would be fantastic if you could do that. Some people are concerned about when you say, oh, we save those lives, what happens about overpopulation? Well, not an issue. One, because you save, it, it's more about the, the number of births than it is about the number of deaths. And the reason people have large families in the poor country is because they know there's a good chance if I only have uh, that other kids I have, two or three could die. So I better, if I want to have two or three at the end who will help me when I'm old, I better have six now. So then if, they, if you solve the issue of excess death, then you also solve the issue of, of uh, two large families because they're not worried about it. Oh, I can have you know, two kids, three kids, and I'm confident that they'll still be alive at the end, uh, you know, being when I'm old. So, yeah, I mean, we've, se- we've seen that played out in China and India over the last couple right. decades, right, where right. As, as standards of living have gone up, people stop having as many kids. I, I mean, it's, expect- it's, it's universal, isn't it? I mean, every developed mm-hmm. nation in the world has lower population. I mean, you know, you just have fewer kids. The more developed the country becomes. It's just right. the that's, way it is. That, that's really interesting. Uh, Brian, that you mentioned the World War II statistic, um, yeah. I, I, because uh, Stephen, you think about it. One of the things that we've talked about around self-driving cars is uh, a few years ago. It's actually not as bad now, but a few years ago, we were having basically a Vietnam's worth of death every year in the mm-hmm. U.S. on our highways. Every right? year. Now, yeah, now, every now year. it takes yeah. a couple years, a year and a half or something, to get to to get to a Vietnam's worth of death. Here, here you have. Every year we get one, you know, more than more people dying every year due to poverty than died every year during World War II because of the war. That's just, you know, 
<laughs> makes a pretty compelling case. I mean, is, like, it the, well, is the statistic the entire war uh, every year, uh, all the deaths uh, from World War II in a single year? Uh, each, Brian, each, single year the war. Yeah, each single year okay, of the war. Okay, each single year of the war, yeah. uh, we see that level of death. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm with you. So, so that's a, you know, so that's definitely a problem worth uh, worth taking on. Now, one one pushback that I would uh, that I would expect is um, how is power going to lift people out of poverty? You can't eat it, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's there's you know the maybe you're confusing correlation and causation here that uh, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe you need to give these people money, and then they can buy power, and they can buy other things that they need. How would you respond to that? So um, one thing is that between seven to fifteen percent of their money is being spent spent on the alternative uh, power source, the kerosene, the the biomass that they have to uh, buy that that kerosene and um, and buy you know wood and other things because they can't always chop it themselves, they may not have, you know, own a, or, you know, can get free wood, something like that. Um, so by, if they have electricity, then, and they can, and they have an expensive light, and it's LED lights for uh, $10, like that, and you'd want to give that. So basically, you want to give them a light and the, the solar, small battery, and the um, electric cooker some kind of a small hibachi type thing or something like that. And um, and then you're taking away about um, 10 to 20% of the cost. 10 to, you know, let, you know let's, let's be conservative about that. Let's say only 10%. 10% of that stuff. So if they're only a dollar per day, that's still $35 per year that they don't have to spend on buying kerosene because they have a small solar right. thing, and I have a LED light, right? So that's a direct constant annuity of $35 per year. So basically the equivalent of giving them $30, you know, every year, they go for 10 years, you can do some kind of like business calculation, their present value is giving them $200 worth of stuff, even though it only costs you about 75 to $100. So you can get a two-for-one bang right there, and then... Because they have electricity, they can and they can have some of these devices. Their productivity can go up. So their their productivity and that's GDP is you know people times productivity. Then you know easy easily to add on the communication device, you know a phone, which means they don't have to go trudging um, miles to the market. We've already seen that right now in Africa, where they where people who have a mobile phone can sell their goods better. You know I can. <coughs> Craigslist things or do whatever to to sell stuff, and I can get a better price. You know, I can get a better price on Craigslist than I can for my garage sale, and so they can start earning more money via um, access to better markets. They can get information about how to grow crops better. You know, like I'm looking stuff stuff up all the time about how to fix things, how to do something better. They can figure out how to do something better with their their um, if they're doing basic agriculture even, they can might be able to do stuff better. They can get information about other programs and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> They'd have you to know, I'm, I'm, work I'm a little bit of education. Status, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The status of women. 
I mean, uh, mm-hmm. so much time is spent just washing clothes. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, women are just pretty much bringing power uh, and bringing a few a few yeah. clothes washers to the to the village, right? And suddenly, right. You've, uh, yeah. I mean, up a of time. And, uh, all of a sudden, women are able to do something else with their lives. I mean, right. it's uh, it's remarkable how much time is spent in the poor world just trying to get clothes clean. Right, and and you can also you can bring up something like clothes washers if. Tied in with this program, you have certain um, product sharing. Like right now, we have car ride sharing, but they could have a village sharing, you know, a washing machine or something like that. Or they could have a village sharing some other slightly larger device where, you know, we can't um, afford to give every one of you this $1,000 device, but we can give a village of you, say 50 of you, 100 of you, uh, a $1,000 device, and that works out $20 per person or something like that for for 50 people or something like that. So that kind of program, again, it just builds upon it to leverage and make it easier to get, um, to lift them up, to start boosting the productivity, getting them to, you know, save time, to train them, you know, because I don't have to go walking village to village to communicate, oh, by the way, you should do something, you know. It's like, okay, I can just send the message out. So ha- bring, get them connected um, having and uh, one the example I think of is in the movie Apollo 13, where there's a line in it where one of the engineers says, um, "You know, whoa, whoa, power is everything. Without it, they don't talk to us. They don't correct their trajectory." So the similar thing here, if power is everything, in that <clears throat> without they can't, it, it is difficult for us to talk to them, for them to talk to us. Right. And they can't correct their trajectory, in that they can't change and do something different or better. So we can then tell them, help them to do something better. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you, if you look at it, how rapid economic growth occurred in, say, the 18th century and then the 19th century and then the 20th century, where automation, you know, and factories came on board, but then when electrification came on board, you just, you know, when, when there's power, economies just become more dynamic, right? Uh, everything, you, everything you just said about freeing up people's time, saving them money, um, giving them the opportunity to know things they didn't know before, that all adds up in ways that it's almost incalculable that, you know, in, in terms of uh, the benefits it provides. So how do you do it? How, 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 do, we, how do we get these, whatever you said, $75 uh, <laughs> solar collectors into these villages? What, you know, who, who, uh, who, pulls the, who, who pulls the switch on this and makes this plan happen? So there's um, um, several different aspects. In terms of the money, there is money being spent for the goal of electrification. Over the last probably 15 years, I think the World Bank has spent about $65 billion toward this goal. But they've only had some modest gains to getting down from like $1.5 billion down to 1.2 billion people without electricity. <clears throat> so the issue has been that they've been stuck on making larger uh, utility-scale programs where they say, okay, I'm going to make this large natural gas plant. I'm going to make a large, uh, even, even a large solar um, farm. What happens is if I make a big plant, a gigawatt plant or, 100, or a 100 megawatt hydro dam or something like that, one, that program takes years. I get to fund it, I got to build it, you know, how many years it take to, to build three orders dam, you know, a couple decades kind of thing. And then I got to make the grid. 
And the thing is, a lot of these poor people are out in the rural areas or in the, the slums of the cities, and they got no grid. And grid is, we built the grid over 100 years. And right. you ha- in order to have grid, you have your big power plant, and then you have, say, 10 smaller trans- transformers, but they're still big. They're like 500 tons, and you have to move them with special trains, and then you get this like, smaller <coughs> distribution node, and and then another small small block node, and then you then get to the people. So basically, you're stepping down the network a bunch of times. It's this big one-way thing, a lot of copper, you know, a lot of stuff in order to make the power lines and the grid. And because you have 1.2 billion people, to grid them up would take a lot of time. Even if your power plant gets built quick, if it's not connected to the people, the power is not getting to them, right? right? Because they have to get to a plug. They can't just, you know, look at the power plant 10 miles away and say, am I getting power? You know, nothing. You have to get the, the copper wire. They get them, and all these distribution nodes takes a bunch of time. So, and they've been... You know, the the analogy there might be, you think about all the people in the world who have phones today. Right. Um, How many of them would have phones if we'd had to lay down an old-style telecom network in order for each of them to be connected, right? Right. Right. Versus versus something that you can just go in, you know, point by point and and put a solution in, like a a mobile device. Right. And and the whole connections cost $100 per uh, person. Yeah, yeah. hilarious the world have, that have leapfrogged, uh, you know, have it and putting in, and, and they'll never have line systems there, will they? You know, because mm-hmm. they've leapfrogged it and they've gone to the next thing, which is cell phones. And so perhaps something similar that's decentral. You know, <laughs> there's no central uh, power source. Leapfrog the grid, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah, le- leapfrog the grid. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other point is that uh, of that money, like a small, a um, small fraction of it. So of all the solar power in the world, and we're now at you know one to two percent of the total production solar. Most of it goes to the developing world on, on big rooftops, right? Yep. Yeah. And and um, and only a, a small a handful of percentages or less go to the developing world at all, and those tend to be big, the big utilities thing, the not the small, you know, buy off Amazon saying five thing off a backpack or of a folding solar solar cell um and and so if if the wrong products for you know it, for for the the problem at hand that you know place like indonesia where you have 7000 islands indonesia that actually on per capita basis is fairly well off but they have a large number of people without power because it has to be each island has to be getting its power and if you distribute a small like cell phone like portable mobile um, solar power source versus building the, the the wired up solution, then you can get it out faster because you can just hand them out versus having to lay down a grid. And you also need to have the batteries. So that's the wrong focus for where the money money you are spending is going. Two, there's also supply chain issues in that if I want to get a, a kilowatt hour of battery, 10 hours of a 100-watt system, I need about five years of production of eight gigafactories in order to do it. So otherwise, right now, we might have, again, not enough. So mm-hmm. even the, the amount of lithium mines, the amount of um, 
um, uh, gigafactories, we need to cut a deal and say, here, <clears throat> we'll build a plant in India, we'll build a plant in Nigeria you know, for a gigafactory, some kind of, kind of arrangement where we're helping the poor people jump the queue and not wait till after everyone has their 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 Tesla Model 3 or something like that, right? You want to say, okay, you know, just like in, in Disneyland, getting the, the, the fast pass and say, here, you go on the separate line and not wait at the back to, to get your your supplies. Because um, the thing is, people will still want to have their, their Tesla, nothing wrong with that. You have to create this separate capacity to enable them to get it. And that same thing goes for the solar, that we have to, because right now we're building solar for the utility-grade solutions, big, um, heavy, with a lot of metal backing and that kind of stuff. You need to switch to another kind of product if you want to go for mobile solar. So there's right. just where so, you need to so you craft need- the, the supply chain for the problem and to get it where it needs to be. Right. So, so you need net new production of certain things, and you need uh, kind of a, a shift of focus for other things that are, that are happening. Is there anyone right now in the world you could take this plan to and they could just run with it? Or would it, would it have to be more of a, uh, you know, a government program? Or you know, h- how would it actually occur if it were to occur? So of the international institutions, it would be getting the World Bank to adjust their current program because they, it is a goal they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And they just need to adjust their focus. So that would be a big benefit if you instead of saying one percent of the effort on the small solar, you spent uh, um, you know ten percent, twenty percent, or you know more. <clears throat> so that would be a big help to to get instead of a hundred million dollars, you know, like two billion of your total, you know, five billion or whatever it would be. So that would be one uh, issue. And then maybe talking to someone like a, a Bill Gates, who's wants to help with poverty, and then Elon Musk, so the wealthy people. But then each of the countries would be the, the, the biggest bang. India is trying to do a solar program. They, they are going to spend tens of billions of dollars per year on it, but they are looking at larger solutions. So they need to, they are doing some off-grid stuff, but they need to have more emphasis on the off-grid solution to speed it up. Um, they may get there anyway, cause they, you know, just like China got empowered to every, most everyone, and you can do it too. If you spend, if this is a national priority, we're going to do this thing, you can go the other way and still build the other solution. It may be slightly slower, slightly, you know, but it still can work um, if you, you know, have that effort. But, you know, India, I think, could modify the program. In each of the other countries, you know, several in, in Africa, several in, in Asia, you know, Nigeria would need to... Uh, you know, wake up to that. You know, currently, they have issues where they have started a small-scale program on mobile solar, but 20,000 um, people that may get it, and they have 70 million or 100 million who don't have electricity. So then the, the scale of their solution is not there yet. And um, they also have issues around regulation where the power must be provided by the central um, national company or something like that, and, and they have other regulations that block it. They have with other things that are preventing it from happening. So um, each country has to, you know, understand why it would be beneficial for them to make everyone richer and better. 
And now we're almost out. We're almost out of time. I'm, I'm going to extend the show just a little bit. If uh, if you can both uh, stay on for just a few minutes, we won't uh, we mm-hmm. won't go too long. But um, Brian, I, I wanted to I wanted to say when you put it when you put it in those terms, um, there's there's no super secret new technology that needs to be developed. It's just a matter of marshaling the resources correctly to to put a plan like this in place. I, I got to say, in a in a world where Elon Musk is talking pretty convincingly about going to Mars, uh, <laughs> this sounds like a very doable thing. I mean, uh, you know, am I am I missing something? What, what, um, yeah, I, I think it is doable, and I think uh, it is something that you know might happen anyway over the course of two or three or four decades. But you know, we can do it within five years or less. You know, we should make it happen. Um, you know, ten years to the outside. There's no reason it should take longer than that. And um, if we just um, focus on what uh, things that need to happen, that we can definitely do it. You know, take yeah. Well, that was one of my questions. Actually, yeah. was whether this, whether you thought this would occur organically, um, maybe over a longer time frame, even if even if we didn't do it. But what a difference it would make to all the lives of all those people, right? Uh, if if you did it that much sooner, and the world is that much better off that much sooner. Because one of the things we didn't get to. Um, but uh, you and I had talked about previously is uh, what does this do, you know, GDP-wise to the world? Do you think? Yeah. So um, you you look at the rise of China with its 1.4 billion people getting to currently about five thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars per per person. The 1.2 billion people with electricity getting them up to um, the one thousand dollar level. We like a rise, an, the initial rise of China, and getting them to the five thousand dollar level. There's actually Three, four billion people in that below um, below five thousand dollar level, where if you get them ten percent of the electricity the U.S. has, they could um, get to you know we can accelerate them to the that global middle class, and that would be like the rise of three Chinas up into the global economy. Uh, a, a big, wow! A big that boom. sounds significant. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Gee whiz, three Chinas. Well, you know, think I, I think of the um, you know some br- some you know brilliant kid in uh, sub-Saharan Africa that would uh, what he could contribute to the world if he wasn't just trying to survive day in and day out. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's uh, there is genius to be tapped in these in these areas of the world, but these people are just too busy surviving to to contribute anything to the world uh, beyond just you know, making it to the next day and, uh, and, and, and what that can mean for everybody, right? Right. You, know, you see it in, in China and, and someone in India, they're, as they're rising up, that they're contributing patents, products, um, uh, research papers, and, and yeah, making the world better. Right. Okay, one one final question. Um, do do you see this idea as kind of a precursor to post scarcity, or have you thought about it in those terms? You know, because we hear so much about basic income these days, and that seems to be kind of the arc that we're on in the in the West and in the developed world. You know, tending towards this this notion of basic income. But I wonder if it, is it possible that basic something else might right. be the answer, right? It, right. It's basic so, so power. That, it maybe. does segue over to that in that uh, if. Providing basic income, the, pr- the problem is that uh, if you try and spread just the money around it, you quickly don't have enough. You know, basically, everyone that, even in the U.S., if you spread all the, the income around, it, you know, $10,000 per person or, or less, you just 
It's just uh, doesn't work out that well. But if you provide, if electricity is getting cheaper and cheaper, and then you just provide basic access to electricity, um, a certain amount of compute power, a certain amount of other things, then they can have security and all the technological efficiencies you get from being able to provide the 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 product of energy and of technology at a lower cost, then there's you're providing the security that they need without having to provide a constant stream of money. I can give you this this stuff and maybe can can you give you a certain level of it at a lower at affordable cost to society by by having the production capacity to uh, to give you directly what you would need. Because you say, I, I need to have uh, electricity, I need to have those things, and it's just a matter of food. You know, there's, there's kind of, uh, I don't have to, you know, I can give you the, the, the product equivalent of what you need to, to have security. Because basically it's more a matter of, uh, of, if I don't have to worry about that other stuff, however it's delivered, if there's a more efficient way to do it, and, and by providing basic power, I think, and then, you know, basic compute, basic, you know, some other things. Yeah, basic then, 3D printer, right? Maybe one day right. basic replicator, but that, right, that's, that's kind right. of idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the thing of, of how, you know, that Star Trek world, that they have replicators, they're not worried about security because they have basic access to that. So, so then you you can get away from, um, you know, doing your daily grind job in order to get to that thing. And if you... And then there's, there's incentives to provide that more efficiently, as opposed right. to I constantly have to give you X dollars no matter what, right? Well, uh, Brian, I, I can tell you, uh, just based on my own family history, what a big deal electrification was in the South, for example, in the southern United mm-hmm. States. Uh, you know, starting in the 1930s, um, you know, the push was made for rural electrification, and that's when you know my my grandfather uh, was you know they they got electricity in their house and uh, their standard of living uh, you know increased substantially. He and two of his children ended up going to college, and one was my father. And uh, I mean, just what that did for our family. I mean, I, you know, I can't say electrification did it all, but I mean that was a huge stepping st- uh, stone, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. you know. I can just imagine what it would do for uh, you know other you know areas of the world like Africa or other places like that. So, yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, you know, Brian, we um, we talk about basic income every now and then. We're not very comfortable with the idea, Stephen and I. Neither one. I think I, I, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't. I'm not in love with basic income. I'm always looking for good alternatives, and you've given us a very intriguing alternative here tonight. Plus. You know, we spend all our time looking at uh, good ideas for the future, and uh, here you've got one for uh, basically eliminating poverty. I'd say that's a fairly good idea. What do you think, Stephen? <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great stuff, Brian, and uh, so much fun uh, hearing about it. Listen, let's uh, let's have you back on again soon. We'll uh, we'll check in on how we're developing this idea and what we can do to push it ahead. Sounds great. Look forward to it. All right, great. Thanks, Brian. Uh, if you're listening for other geeks, sorry, folks, that was on Wednesday. We did that on Wednesday this week, so go back and check the archives and you can hear uh, other geek. We wanted more time to talk with Brian. We will be back with a brand new show on Monday, and we'll uh, look forward to being with you all then. Until next time, live to see it. <laughs>